Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you are listening to us, and welcome to episode one of Geeking In. Um, in a world full of social distancing and isolation, um, myself, T and B, who I'll introduce you to in just a second, decided that you know it's not really the cult, it's not really the, the the setup to geek out, so we might as well geek in. So we've decided to entertain ourselves and yourselves uh, by talking about stuff that we love and. Um, uh, just having a chat between friends. So with me is um, the futurist himself, uh, the uh, our, our very own uh, Tony Stark, T. Oh. And uh, joined us as well is the uh, only other guy to make Grey Temples look as cool as Reed Richards, the Mr. Fantastic to my elongated man, Mr. B. Hello, greetings. So here we go, episode one. You two excited? Very much Yay! so. <laughs> Absolutely. So we have some topics that we thought we'd chat about. Um, and uh, we're going to start with uh, Picard. 26 years after The Next Generation finishes, we pick up with uh, the GOAT, uh, Jean-Luc Picard himself, um, and see what he's been up to and re-enter the world that's so, so familiar. Um, so you're our, our biggest um, Trekkie, Trekker. I, I don't know how you identify. Well, I fully subscribe to myself as a Trekkie, uh, not a ah, Trekker. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, distinctions don't matter, really. It's quite nice. That it's a quite nice way of opening that up, actually. You know, how, this is how many years after, after we last saw uh, TNG in the movies. And I was thinking about, as we, as we sort of picked this topic for our first episode it's nice that we've got a few episodes of Picard to look back on but as I was thinking over it I did think you know it, it's in, it's quite interesting to think about the whole context of it of what Star Trek on TV has been like over those many years you know we had we had that fantastic run of TNG DS9 picked up Voyager I don't know for me was a bit meh um, and then you know with, with sort of Enterprise barely getting any attention and just nothing 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 yeah. nothing and then suddenly we're in a world of TV being excellent. You know, the whole nature of TV's change. We're in a sort of Game of Thrones, Walking Dead kind of world where this is the new format for long-form storytelling. And, you know, just being in that world and being a huge Trekkie, I'm sitting there thinking, when are we going to get Star Trek like this? When are we going to get a real modern-day Star Trek? And we did. We got We had Discovery. And it's the action-packed one, and it says, you know, it gives you enough for the feel of the movies and for the new fans and all of that stuff. But the TNG fan in me is still itching for the kind of the slow, philosophical, ponderous, those kind of episodes. <laughs> and then, and then comes Star Trek Picard with its nostalgia mining, with its slow build with its slow-speaking captain who's slowed down a little bit from his previous, from his previous adventures. Mm. It's sort of everything I wanted, not, not on its own as a Star Trek show, but in the context of having waited so long, in the context of where TV is now, in the context of having Discovery and having the, the Abramsverse movies, um, this is exactly, exactly what I want to watch every Friday. You know, happy Captain Picard Day if you're if you're um, listening to this on a Thursday or a Friday. 
it's 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 an interesting um take i think i think it's um uh, i'm a little bit behind and one of the reasons i'm a little bit behind is because um i was speaking to uh, one of my co-workers about this and he was saying that he's a big star wars fan uh, star trek fan sorry um and and very much into the the universe and the, the the lineage and the mythos um but finds picard very noble mm. and worthy mm. and as such needs to be in kind of like a higher mindset to watch it he can't watch it in that kind of brainless trash tv style mm-hmm. um that you can watch so many of the other programs mm-hmm. so needs to feel as if he can pay it the due attention it deserves and desires rather than just being able to click it through uh b what's your what, how are you with picard yeah I'm, I'm pretty loving it um although i don't remember Riker being so happy um <laughs> Yeah. So, but it's it's an interesting. It's it's definitely slower than, you know, the uh, next gen stuff. Um, but you know, I was a, a a Star Wars fan, not so much a, a Trekkie, but I have I love Discovery. I think that is spot on. Um, but yeah, you're definitely right. Um, Picard is slow going, um, and you know, it's quite a good analogy to call it a bit more noble. And some of the other stuff, um, it does need thinking through. And there are various levels to it. Um, the last episode was pretty cool, I thought. Um, but yeah, I'm liking it. I, I have, I'm up to date with it. So yeah, Fridays roll on. So B, that that's interesting, actually. So have you watched sort of old TNG? Are you getting all the kind of nostalgia mining bits that are popping up? Or is it still? Yeah, okay. I, I I do. Yeah, I, I catch some of them. Um, definitely, you know, with with the counselor, with Deanna Troy, mm-hmm. is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and Riker and all them. Um, yeah, it, it's it does jog a little memory here and there uh, with the Borg, obviously uh, featuring heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. See, I, I remember starting that first episode. And it was just, I think it started on a close-up of, of Picard's face. And I was like, I'm sold. I'm done. I no longer need anything else. And then I thought, God, I'm an easy audience for this. And then they had that scene of him and uh, whoops, him and Data playing poker. And I thought, ten forward. in 10 forward. And in fact, having that zoom all the way into 10 forward, you know what they could never have done back in the 80s. And I just thought, amazing, amazing. This is everything I want. And I started to wonder... What is this like for someone who who isn't getting all of this? Who's just thinking, right? It's a spaceship, and you're zooming in. It's two old men playing a game of cards. What's going on? Um, so I right. have, have these conversations with with colleagues um, who also love the show without all that context, without all that kind of history. You know, I think it's I think it's something to do with sort of how it's done so stylistically, and it's given sort of a lot of gravitas. So even if you don't necessarily make that connection of what it's referencing, it's still quite strong. And there's a lot of characters that if you weren't along for the t- next generation stuff, if they aren't pulling on all your nostalgia mining heartstrings, um, you're, you're learning about people the same way as someone who is stooped in, in uh, Star Trek lore is. Absolutely. Um, so I think there's a real interesting balance there of, of new storytelling, new ideas, um, and some of the old ones, and also kind of some recanonization and re- retelling of some of the bits that we we kind of 
knew and understood and thought we we kind of had set. I mean, Star Trek's interesting. I think I think you know with Star Wars, the stories carried on in the novels, didn't they? Post the original uh, original trilogy, and mm-hmm. um, they were still canon when the prequels were were made as well. So you still have this massive sprawling and continually growing universe for so many years. The Star Trek novels are not canon, uh, apart from a few movies. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. Um, That's right. They're not. They're not canon. Um, so this, you are just getting these new glimpses into the into this universe with each episode that you just have no idea. You know, there's no real concept of what Picard's been up to for all all these years. It is new, even if you are kind of the biggest fan, reading every bit of literature that comes out. Yeah, I mean, how do you feel then? I mean, I know this is a bit of a pivot then, but Discovery is really interesting because I can't quite work out whether they're going to try to dock the landing um, into what we know as canon or if they're going to find a way to say all of this existed but none of this really existed kind of thing. So if we if we kind of lean over to, to Discovery as we're in the gap between season two and season three, um, mm. how do you feel about that? Because that's that's introducing some very interesting um, and if you're if you're a purist, probably quite dangerous kind of philosophies and ideas. I think that for me, that goes again back to sort of the context of when it came out. Discovery is at a point where we've had no decent Star Trek on TV since since DS9 ended. Do you know what I mean? I'm just yeah. so excited to have it back. But with Discovery coming out and watching each episode, it wasn't quite satisfying. I remember, especially with season one, and I'm a huge Jason Isaacs fan, but somehow um, it just wasn't hitting the spot. And the Orville, which was released at the same time as this kind of homage yeah. slash parody of Star Trek, kind of hit those bits. So I, I used to always watch them back to back. And at the end of it, I felt like I watched a Star Trek episode. So it took a little <laughs> while to sort of really engage in the Discovery world in itself. Um, and I think in that, and I think once it had a bit of space to grow and be its own thing, it got really interesting. And you and and it's it's become interesting enough for you to just be comfortable and let the story grow in whichever direction it wants to. Um, I think we've learned a little from from other disappointing endings to shows. Uh, you know, you can't sort of pin the whole thing on the ending and just sort of appreciate the journey. You know, season eight of Game of Thrones doesn't have to ruin the no, previous. No, I was going to say, be, <laughs> is this too soon? Yeah. yeah, no. Let's let's not talk about that. <laughs> You're going to social distance from us at this rate after if we start oh, talking yes. about that. Yeah, let's let's start. That's that's a different podcast. Come on. Now, come on. All right. That's no, I, 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 I I think Discovery was absolutely awesome. I I was hooked from the moment you know the first very first episode. It, it was fast moving. It was everything that I wanted Star Trek to be. Um, yeah, I, and I, I love where it's gone and where it's going. Um, I think it will fit in very nicely with all the other stuff because of how it's set out. Um, you know, the future is kind of unwritten, so it could be in any possible timeline mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is quite interesting, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I found um, uh, season two harder work than I found season one of Discovery. Um which is funny because season one, I think, was the one that was really doing some bizarre and bold stuff. Like, 
here's a spore drive that can get you anywhere in the galaxy straight away kind of mm. thing. Um, so I, I found that quite an interesting kind of um, uh, weird kind of element. I don't know whether I would prefer them to be outwardly a different timeline, a different kind of thing so that they aren't constricted with storytelling and trying to dock it into where we are, where we're going, mm. or whether I, I enjoy watching them try to do the circles to try and get this as close to, to where we know these stories start as possible. So for instance, the Captain Pike episodes, I'm not going into details in case people haven't watched them, a Star Trek fan knows the ending of the Captain Pike story. Mm. Mm. So to watch the early chapters of it is quite interesting. And then to watch him have to reconcile that is quite interesting. And I know there's talk about doing a Captain Pike spin-off. I think it's been greenlit for a Captain Pike. It spin-off. has, yeah. Um, and I think that one has possibly less interest to me, uh, partly because he was, you know, your your very stereotypical good guy captain um and partly because uh, we know where that story is going and and we know he knows where that story is going i often think with discovery they did a strange thing by not setting it sort of an extra 25 30 years back before the kelvin because yeah you know and then you could have just had it go in any direction you know, just putting it straight afterwards forces you to kind of pick a universe to sit into. Yeah, and you can tell whatever story you want, but by this point, all of these things need to be in place. Yeah. So have the spore drive. Mm. However, you need to then retcon the spore drive to not be there mm-hmm. before this goes live. Mm-hmm. Well, it was the only one of its kind. Yeah. I mean, except it wasn't. Yeah. Well, yeah, there is that, but... <laughs> I mean, it, I suppose it's worth thinking, you know, if you think about the original series, a lot of continuity had to be sort of massaged back into place, right? Um, you know, you're, you're like Warp was going up to sort of warp, warp 15, Warp 16, and suddenly they had to kind of change the whole way Warp worked and the curve, the thing about the edge of the universe, um, the edge of the galaxy, big pardon. So there's, there's a lot of things where they just threw things out there in the in, in yeah. original series and we worked those back in in some cases and kind of politely looked the other way for other bits, you know? Absolutely. And and, and Star Trek is, is definitely not alone in this. And, you know, if any of you watched the end of... Uh, if you any of you watched the, the Doctor Who series finale, you know that they are in their own journey of how you, you address the fact that, you know, the, the law, quote-unquote, the rules state that you have a certain amount of regenerations when you run out of that how do you address that how do you build on that how do you how do you give yourself a gimme on this and a a rewrite because you know however many decades ago someone made something up that means that i'm now limited to this Mm. um and you know science fiction's at its best when it's and fiction's at its best when it's trying to tell you stories within stories and, 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 you know, partly, um, you know, sometimes is really strengthened by the limiters that's put on it, because if you can do anything and go anywhere, then, well, that becomes a very boring story very quickly. However, if you know, you need to come back to this point where it's true North, then that's, that's, that's the magic, isn't it? That's the, that's how you work it through. 
it's an interesting analogy, I suppose, if you think about Doctor Who, Star Wars, and Star Trek. So Doctor Who is quite open about this, sort of saying, yep, it's timey-wimey, hand-wavy, don't think too hard on it. You know, they will go back to it, but the science is, you know, less often mapped. And at the other end of that spectrum is Star Trek with people with their timelines and having actual scientists in to, you know, talk about um, um, uh, actual real-life theorems that they can they can use to think about some of this stuff. Star Wars got some of that by being, you know, a bit of a sort of fantasy based in space. But also, yeah. um, I, I think possibly because of the strength of the fandom, um, uh, you know, the, the canon is so strong and so strictly adhered to as well. Um, so you, I suppose, yeah, you, you can have, you can sit anywhere on that spectrum, but the Star Trek universe overall has sat at the far end of that spectrum, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or at least in the TV universe it has. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Because point. obviously the film universe has, has, has taken liberties with time travel and, mm-hmm. and uh, reboots and, and alternate timelines and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's part of canon for Star Trek that these things exist. Um, it's just they've not really been built into. Well, I suppose, you know, they've had the Mirror Universe since the 60s original series. Yeah. So maybe it has. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm judging it too harshly. I feel um, like the original series was just let's throw things out there, see what works. And Discovery has a feel of that to it. By the time you got to TNG and you had the real embedded fan base and all the kind of thought behind it, hmm. that the rules became yep. a lot stricter. And Picard plays in that uh, sandbox a little bit more. It's interesting yeah. with all the sort of you know further spin-offs, they're thinking of that kind of discovery area. Maybe it's just easier for storytelling. I think um, I, I think that we'll see that this has re- really shown the nostalgia element of Star, Star Trek. So it's not just um, a ship called the Enterprise, or it's not just, um, you know, it's nice if a character who's got the same name as one of the ones we know turns mm-hmm. up. But, but revisiting old friends, and, and Star Trek's not the only one who's come up with this. We're seeing this more and more everywhere mm. but that familiarity of you know you remember so and so here he is again yeah. here they are doing this yeah. um is is so powerful that it would be interesting to see whether they do go different ways with um uh telling stories within stories now of of you know how this moves on yeah um but again they all have to exist so if if picard has now set certain things in um, in law, then those are the rules that have to exist if we go and find out what Cisco's up to or what Worf's up to. or And that's assuming that we don't trip into them during Picard mm-hmm. because they're already... I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we do. I, well, I mean, more and more, I think we're going to see people, aren't we? Because um, yeah. they're, they're already uh, writing and recording and, and um, filming series two. Um, and mm-hmm. given the the internet buzz when an old favourite like um, Seven of Nine or um, uh, Riker or Data or whoever turns up, um, you could see them wanting to kind of continue that that endorphin hit of of and, and here's that other person who you loved on the original series. Um, mm. So yeah, I mean it's it, uh, I think and it's whether one of those becomes the backdoor pilot to. The, the, the Geordie LaForge adventure. Mm. 
you know, so far the characters they've picked, there's been a real sort of story impact. It hasn't just been, you know, a traipse through, you know, nostalgia town of what the characters are picking. It makes sense to have, you know, Locutus meet Seven of Nine. That was really powerful, yes. you know. What an ending! Yeah. That was. So, so I mean, you know, just sort of, you know, Picard meeting um, Jordi isn't that exciting. Picard meeting Kieran Arise isn't that exciting. Um, so they've they've done it in in quite a smart way. I was just thinking we're we're in a kind of you know post Avengers universe where you know something around hey let's just chuck them all together and have an adventure something that's doable and sells uh, you know makes all the money in the universe. Um, so so the, so there may be just more of that stuff. Let's just set up all these different yeah. franchises and, and get them all together because people will spend endgame money watching it. And <laughs> and you know this is this is one of the big weapons in in the streaming wars as we stand at the moment which brings us nicely to our second point um because the new streaming war heavyweight is about to enter the uk market we are one week away as we record this from disney plus finally um debuting on british tvs and british devices um uh, with all of the the Marvel films, all of the Star Wars films, all of the Disney films, well, I say all, but the catalogue at least available for them, um, has originally apparently been beating Netflix in America. Um, but uh, some interesting times ahead. And the interesting yeah. thing is going to be their decision to release The Mandalorian sequentially for the British audience rather than drop it as an entire series after it's already been seen uh, by all of the countries that already have um, Disney Plus. B, you looking forward to it? Absolutely. Uh, when the app drops, whenever that's likely to be. <laughs> um, not really been impressed with their marketing so far. I mean, the hype has been absolutely amazing. Looking forward to all the shows, definitely. Um, you know, I've, I've written down my order of watch um and just really looking forward to it what's top on your order of watch oh gosh um looking forward to the simpsons obviously but uh mandalorian definitely Um, so neither of you have seen um, any of the mandalorian have you no 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 i'm so looking forward to i've heard so much about it. i i have so i look forward to um next week where both of you are sitting there going Mando <laughs> come drink with me Mando well that depends on if it's going to I still haven't discovered how this app's going to work um, yeah I've got a little bee in my bonnet about that but exercise you're amongst friends yeah. where, where is this app I've, I've not seen any sort of anything on it about on my apple phone on my ipad nothing on on uh, you know playstation store how how is it going to be watched so i think in america and other places it's been launched basically the morning of so it goes live first thing starts streaming about like 11 o'clock in the morning or something like that so it has been kind of rolled out day of um so in theory, it's, it, it'll be there and, and ready in a week's time when we're ready to go. Well, I mean, the, does that not I'm does not sense you? Password. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, but 
I, I like things planned, so I know where to go. So I've got my popcorn ready. I've got my <laughs> Pepsi Max ready. Um, yeah. But, so just in uh, case you were worrying, uh, dear listener, we are not sponsored by Apple, Sony, or Pepsi Max. <laughs> However, yeah, we are willing to be. <laughs> we are willing to be. So, you know, just just get in touch. We're happy to sell out at a really reduced rate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, I mean, what a catalogue. Um, I'm just scrolling through the list of, of shows that they've got lined up. It looks amazing. Um I don't know, subscriptions in this current situation are, are going through the roof. But yeah, so looking forward to it. So, so looking forward to it. So what's on your guys' watch list? Right, T, Hello. what you got? Anyone? Uh, T, what are you looking forward to? I don't know. I don't know anything they're actually showing. I've not looked at anything. I just know it's Disney Plus, and therefore I'm going to get in on it. You know, it's going to be shows and films and things that I know I want to watch. Uh, it was what you said about earlier. You know, you weren't impressed by their marketing. I, I kind of feel like they didn't need to market to me. I was clearly yeah. going to pay for it. Mm. Which isn't great. So I'm, I'm looking forward to for it, but still. No, and I think you're absolutely right. I think that is the marketing. The marketing is, you know, all the things you love and have loved, we've got them. And it would take too long to list. So you might as well just sign up and come this way. Um, I, uh, as I said, I've, I've, I've watched The Mandalorian. I will again, though, um, partly because um, I really enjoyed it. and I want to go back and watch it again, partly because I want it to be registered in the numbers of the app that this is something that we like and we want to see more of. Um, uh, one division is one I'm really looking forward to later on. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to go and watch all of the star Wars films, which is a weird thing to say because I own them in various formats. Um, but having them there again is just something that, that calls to me. Um, I'm interested to see what other Fox stuff they've got on there. So Simpsons, I know. Um, but you know, do they have the X-Men animated series from the nineties? Do they have, uh, mm. all of those kind of Saturday morning cartoons there? Clone Wars is something that I didn't ever really get into. Um, but this is my opportunity to kind of find goes? through. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I feel that there's enough there to keep me entertained and that's before my kids run right through everything else. Um, so yeah, and and obviously you know all of the, the the Marvel stuff as well. We should do a um a commentary on on Star Wars and the rewatch. <laughs> well, I, I would have thought you would have been down for a High School Musical. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it goes without saying. That's first. Um, okay, but you know, for the for the purpose of this part of the podcast. Um, I thought I'd, I'd try and keep some credibility. So what's actually going to, do you know what, what's going to be available, like in terms of the Marvel shows? I, I, obviously, I, I know that um, Loki is going to be up. You've got um, uh, One Division is coming. That's the one, yep. And you've got the other one. Winter Soldier that's and That's Falcon. the one I was thinking of, yep. So are they going to be available from day one? Or no. Or is it just going to drop? So I think, one, I think the next one's November? No. Maybe autumn. 
it's after Widow. Um, yeah. So I think it's between Widow and Eternals. Is okay, so Loki, I know, is 2021. I think it's... It might be Captain America next. Okay. I don't know. Oh, not Captain America. Well, Falcon and Winter Soldier, because that's what I've seen more about. Yeah, because they had the advert during the um, Super Bowl, didn't they? Do we know about the back catalogue? Is that all just going to be on there straight away, or is you know, are they still pulling back licenses from other places? Um, I think most of it's on there. Okay. Uh, but it, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Um, so uh, Black Widow obviously comes out in May. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier is next in the fall. Then November 6th is due to be the Eternals. Uh, all of these dates are pre-coronavirus. Um, Sang-Chi will be then in uh, February 2021. That's uh, good. Spring 2021, we have One Division, And that is going to lead us into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Which then also takes us into uh, Loki in Spring 2021. Uh, summer 2021 will have uh, the what-if stories, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, and then fall 2021, we've got Hawkeye. And November 5th, 2021, we have Thor, Love, Love and Fun- Thunder is the current plan. Well, yeah. Timeline correct, they're going to press. You know, it's interesting. I still feel post-Endgame, I'm slightly less engaged with the stories going forward. It's because of the reset. It's because it is that point of, you know, this, this, this 10 year arc that they've been telling us is finished. Mm. And I don't know what the next one is. I don't know who the next big bad is. I don't know, you know, what's, what's, what is there going to be at the end of Black Widow that brings me back for the next one? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it going to be the scroll stuff we saw in, in Spider-Man? Is it, something else so you know they've, they've set seeds but it's it's too abstract at the moment to kind of buy me in for something else i think um but that's the exciting thing though about it surely i mean you don't know what's coming and you know knowing marvel it's going to be pretty amazing i've been fairly cold on black widow right up until the last trailer which had taskmaster front and center um mm. black widow as a character i don't think kind of resonates with me enough to me want to watch an entire film and i feel that her being this film um after we've seen her pass in endgame spoilers um and also as the second leading woman to get a film after captain marvel and third after wonder woman it just feels very cold on black widow um, so it's an interesting one to start with. It's certainly sort of almost too little, too late. This is the film you should have made five years ago. Yeah, yeah, and and a little bit is this whole you know same thing as we're talking about sort of Picard with our discovery. It's it's a prequel. We know where it ends. We know where her story ends. Do we really need this? Or do, or do we? we? God, I hope we do. You just you don't want to take that away from her. She had exactly. such an amazing conclusion. 
did she or did the uh, scroll version <laughs> of Natasha Romanoff have the I think oh, or the face swap <laughs> version of Natasha Romanoff and it's thoughts like that that puts me off the story continuing I almost feel like endgame I'm done it was perfect I'm so happy Well, were you happy at the end of the game? I was in tears. It was it was the relief almost of of having seen it sort of pulled off so perfectly. It was everything that I wanted it to be. It was ten years of investment paid off, and that's precisely why we should be looking forward to what Marvel are going to do for the next ten years because they've got mm. such an amazing track record, and they would have thought about this day and night mm. before they actually did it. So I think I think we'll be in safe hands. You're 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 feeling confident about this, are you? I'm feeling more confident about it than <laughs> I am about Disney Plus at the moment. <laughs> um, I think Disney Plus is going to be good. I think it's going to be an interesting. Um, I'm very excited about it. I'm 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 looking forward to it going live. Um, I'm hoping that Disney Plus. Um, see the the sheer amount of money they can make with us all being uh social distance and self-isolating uh, and release it early uh so that we can um entertain ourselves and kids and loved ones with uh disney goodness uh streaming on our devices once b works mm-hmm. out where to get the app from um i think that's <laughs> i think that's the way to go um yeah mail me but I mean, interesting with Disney Plus is um, when it goes live, we know that it will have Frozen 2 already on, uh, available to watch three months before it was due to be released um, because of the, the, the pandemic and trying to bring it forward, which is an interesting model that more films, more studios seem to be taking forward. Uh, Universal and a few others are looking to bring forward what would have been cinema releases and bring them up earlier for streaming uh, and for rental and for owning um, far earlier than they would. In fact, sometimes um, whilst they seem to be on their cinema run, assuming cinemas are going to be open. Um, An interesting model, something far more kind of akin to what Netflix have been doing with some of their films. T, how are you feeling about the, um, the the streaming becoming the the main uh, methodology of watching films? So, I mean, I'm someone who almost almost treated films as something holy. You know, I, ideally, you want to catch it in the cinema. If you're going to catch it at home for the first time, then make sure it's a dark room and there's no interruption. Then you've got the sound perfect. You know, I, I could not watch something if if it wasn't kind of a perfect copy of a film. Um, and that all changed with uh, The Irishman. Um, so, you know, parent of two very young kids, one of who you've heard screaming in the background earlier. Um, you know, I did... I did yeah. Cameo. That's, that's, that's a Marvel-style cameo. <laughs> You'll see him in a future episode, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to pay it off in about eight films time. Starring in Phase 2. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so this, this, this three-hour film, which I'm always just looking at, going, I'm never going to get a chance to watch it, until I have this conversation around, no, it's it's designed to be able to watch on Netflix. It, it does kind of have its three sort of segments to it. So I watched it in pieces, and that broke this kind of this kind of taboo of not watching a film in a perfect way. And since then, I've watched tons of films that I just haven't had a chance to watch. 
Um, you know, I've caught up in kind of years and years, sort of three years worth of cinema uh, that's just been sitting there. Um, and it's great. And I don't know why I've been so obsessed about watching it in this kind of perfect format. So as someone who can't get to the cinema very easily, I am all about bringing it, you know, into a more accessible way for me. You know, I think a cinema experience is fantastic, but, you know, my experience now is that it's either going to be uh, on streaming or it's not going to be watched at all. Um, I'm well up for having it on streaming. What I'm really interested in is what's going to happen sort of post-pandemic. You know, there's this kind of cycle of, right, you know, here's what's being, you know, here's what's in the cinema, and then six six months later it's it's on streaming, and then at that same time you've got the new films coming out. So you've got this kind of, you know, this this tide of, of films. By bringing all the streaming films forward now, when films are back in cinema, there won't be new things to put on for um, streaming. Yeah. Not, I don't know what's yeah. going to fill that. I mean, I guess TV will fill that gap, but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting what, what we're going to do to kind of, um, you know, keep people on these streaming services, keep people wanting to watch films um, on, on streaming when we haven't got new things to put on, or do we just shift into you know keeping to this model where we release things simultaneously? You've got your cinema experience, or you can watch it at home. Yeah, I mean, and again, it's interesting with um, you know the IP wars that we've referenced before. You know that that commodity of, and this is the only place you can see this. Um, becomes more of a draw um so you know it's 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 interesting the kind of that you you feel you've broken away from the sheep and gone to uh watch the films in this new way um but is 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 cinema as we know it going to be the sacrificial cow of of this setup b is is it going to replace going to the cinema for you uh, I hope not, because I, I pay regularly every month to Cineworld <laughs> for exclusive membership. So, um, exclusive membership? No, I, not I just membership, exclusive card, membership, people. No, exclusive. <laughs> black card. Black card, absolutely. Um, 25% off nachos, yay. Um, no, I, 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 I would... I don't know. I Watching a movie for the first time mm. at home doesn't feel right. It just ruins it for me um i like the social well obviously i used to like the social interaction of going to the cinema watching it with my popcorn talking about it with with friends it was it was more than just watching the movie it was the whole yeah package as such um now watching it on a you know 32 inch or 44 inch or 60 inch tv not so I'm going to reference something from, from earlier. So, uh, Jay, I think it was when you talked about um, Picard, you're behind because you want to give it sort of, uh, you know, it's time. You don't want to watch it on the tube on your phone. Yes. So I think a lot of, t- and we've had this debate before around, you know, actually, I, I, I certainly feel a lot of TV has been elevated to this where actually you need to watch it properly. Um, so are we hitting some kind of middle ground? where TV is getting in a more cinematic and cinema is getting more accessible. Um, and actually our home systems are getting better. We've got better sound systems and better screens and HD screens and things like that. So, you know, you are finding this kind of middle ground where this is just how to, you know, uh, absorb this visual medium. 
Yeah, I mean, well, okay. Let, let's. You've got games of. You talked about Game of Thrones. Now, how do we need? Do we need a trigger on that on this on for you? Screen. Do we need a trigger warning before we go into Game of Thrones for you? <laughs> let's talk about all seven seasons of oh, Game of Thrones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite right. They are only seven. <laughs> But Jon Snow bends the knee, and that's the end of that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, no, you were talking about Game Go of Thrones. Sorry. No, no, I wasn't. That's, 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 that's a whole long story and a debate that I will never probably win. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the so, uh, But you were talking about the, uh, the, 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 cinema, the cinematography and the, the, the vision of yeah, that. So, Absolutely. I mean, that was picture perfect. And, you know, it looked wonderful on a TV Most screen in a darkened room as, as T. Well, I mean, there was one particular one that but, in a darkened room you were just in pitch black. I think that would have just added to the atmosphere. <laughs> um, but watching it in a cinema with everyone else, mm, how fantastic yeah. that would, you know, that would have been. I don't know though, because there's parts of this that I like the 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 privateness of being able to absorb that and you know shout myself hoarse at, at, at like the the bizarre surprises or the shocks or um, you know sit there with my popcorn and feel like a pig as I eat it all up or whatever else. The, the, there's an intimacy with some of this that, and I don't know whether this is a social media thing that that. I can find my audience to talk about it and I can have my opinions and my everything else, but I can do all of that from my couch without having to leave and go and, and, you know, social distancing again, you know, I, I, I think I'm, I was social distancing before it was cool. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a weird thing. I, I don't have that. I, I do think there are certain films that I want to see for the spectacle, but, there is also a certain amount I enjoy them in a different way because of the privacy and the intimacy I can have with them on my TV. Um, you know, in a smaller I sometimes setting. think the cinema is more private and intimate, even though you're surrounded by all these people. Uh, and it's because you can't pause it and go make a cup of tea. It's because, you know, uh, it is just a, a blank screen and all you can focus on is that. You can't pull out your phone and, and look at Twitter. It's fully immersive. Yeah, it's immersive. Um, yeah. And actually, what so Game of Thrones for me was um, a, a conversation because we watched it together in groups. We had a group that would sit down to watch each episode, and we did kind of chat all the way through it. I was just thinking, I wonder if also it, is this a thing again about sort of that long form storytelling, um, and cinemas yeah. moving to that? You know, we're talking about the Marvel universe, and actually, it is one really long story. Um, everything's going to have its sequels and its yeah. cinematic universe yeah. and things like that. Um, so maybe that's another reason we'd, we'd be more comfortable watching it on on TV because you can now binge. Um, I mean, it doesn't have to be complicated stories. You can binge nine Fast and the Furious films the same way you 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 binge in a couple of seasons of Game of Thrones. It's a scary thought. Um, just just. Seeing through nine Fast and Furious films, scary thought. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's it is. I mean, it's all 
and it is that you know again it's the content of of being able to have these things at my fingertip and i can press next and the next one comes on um so watching films as if they are an episodic tv show um uh, but yeah i mean i i think that there is a power of of these things being released in cinema at the same time as streaming so you catch all of the audience at the same time um but I don't know how that affects budgets of things going forward. However, in a world where Game of Thrones costs more than a lot of movies and Westworld costs a lot more than a lot of movies, um, mm. yeah, recouping is a different thing. I wonder if there's also something around sort of uh, creator intent, right? The director's vision. So you know, one of the worst things is when uh, a, a film is sort of post in in post made into three D and nothing kind of fits and it's all kind of nonsense. Um, so it's a singular director creating a film to be watched in one go, whereas a TV show has a t- has a kind of a larger team influencing it. A director isn't the biggest person on filming a particular episode; it's the showrunners. No, yeah. the showrunner kinda. Is, is more important and that's more about tonally keeping the episodes yeah. tied really isn't it um yeah i mean there are certain films i mean i think there are certain films that i wouldn't love as much if i'd seen them on tv first there's probably certain films that i wouldn't love as much if i hadn't stumbled across them at two in the morning on channel four my, my love of the godzilla mm. films for instance Part of my love of the original Godzilla films is they are, and a lot of the the old kung fu seventies kung fu films is they are cheesy, they are amazing, and they were positioned at a point that recognised that they were cheesy and amazing. So you really had to kind of be there for them if you wanted to see them. Um, and I think that's part of my love of them and if i'd gone to see them in a cinema i think i would have come away with a different feel for them um and maybe not as as committed a fandom for them um because of of just how they kind well, of well i mean are we talking about going to see them in the cinema at the time that they would have been released because that's the other thing with them right they're only they're things of their time only right well yes and no because when mm. i found them they were yeah. decades in rotation, but for me, it was my first yeah. experience of absorbing them. So if, if we parallel that to me, my first experience of absorbing mm. them was in a cinema, albeit in the 80s or 90s or, or 2000s or whenever, I, I still don't know if it would have worked in the same mm. sort of way. I think there's a, there's a charm that, small screen can kind of find you that mm. the big screen could leave you cold mm-hmm. and vice versa. Yes, certainly. I mean, one thing it used to do is, is hide the blemishes. Um, have you, have you, have you watched sort of any um, of going back again, I suppose, but TNG now that it's on Netflix? Um, so, bits. you know, I've, I've always watched it on this tiny little I think twelve-inch screen where I had to kind of fix the the uh, adjust it almost uh, as the episode progressed. Watching it now in in, in HD, I, I kind of yeah, I don't Stretched. really want to see yeah. all the creep. I always thought their uniforms never creased. I always wondered about the magic of their uniforms, and I kind of don't want to see the creases. I don't want to see 
how much data is aging between episodes because I somehow believe he looked the same over seven years. It's um, the palette for me. The color palette is in, very interesting on on Netflix as well. Uh, on um, you know, watching it now mm. as, a, as an HD model rather than anything else. Family Guy for me, especially the first few series of Family Guy, is, is really difficult to watch mm. in an HD world. And you wouldn't think that animation would creak mm. as much as it does. Oh. I think that's the same for The Simpsons as well. Yeah. Could we draw yeah. that line further? So, you know, if cinema is, is, the, is the grandest form and then sort of TVs in between now and the smallest format is, is watching something on your phone. Because I would comfortably watch endless Family Guy clips on YouTube. I, it's a struggle for me to watch a Family Guy yeah. episode on TV. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can kind of see that. Um, I wonder if I've kind of lowered it in my mind to be like, all right, that's kind of a free thing. Right, this is a TV thing and this is a cinema experience thing. I mean, saying that, I did at one point walk around with Endgame on three <laughs> different devices that I carried. So I was never more than about 45 seconds away from watching Endgame if I needed it. Um, uh, that's a good shout. Uh, do you know what? I say that with, with no shame. Uh, <laughs> no proud. shame at all. Um, uh, at least one would all, always be teed up to the hammer moment. Um, but yeah, it was just, it, it was an interesting thing. Uh, and it's very interesting. Go back to that kind of, you know, that, that relationship with the group in the cinema and all the rest of it. I have watched, uh, reaction videos of people in the cinema across the country and across the world reacting to certain bits mm. of Endgame, like the Hammer moment and like um, the uh, mm. I Am Iron Man moment. Um, trying to be very spoiler-free in case anyone who's listening to this podcast hasn't watched Avengers Endgame. Yeah, if you're listening to the podcast called Geeking ridiculous. In. Yeah. yeah. And you haven't seen the most successful film in the world ever. Yeah, yeah. it's unlikely, isn't it? Mm. Um, or maybe have only seen it once and therefore forgetting what I'm telling them. No, still not likely. Um, but yeah, so those moments, just, just listening to that reaction that we felt together watching it for that first time um, is, is quite interesting. The cultural thing is interesting as well. I don't know. I, I, yeah. Different countries, different yeah. cheering, all of that stuff. I, I mean, I... Yeah. Mm. But still the same points. The, 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 the beauty of the storytelling is the beats still get that yeah. visceral reaction. But, you know, it, 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 they were two moments that really made people just yeah. leap out of their seat. Um, mm -hmm. And still do. They hold up. But yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting one for me. I, I I'm all for streaming uh, as released um, and being able to choose my medium. But I don't know. I don't know if I would change my mind if that means you know if if I've got um, one of the films that is you know so Star Wars being the last one. Um, and B, I know that's another trigger warning for you. Um, 
but Star Wars being the last one, that if I knew it was available on my TV the same time it was available in the cinema, would I wait to get tickets to go to the cinema? And then would I lose something by not seeing it in the cinema for the first time rather than on one of the small screens? There is something around the pressure to watch these things quickly because of the sort of spoiler world we live in. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's really interesting that Picard and uh, Mandalorian are both done in this, this weekly sequential mm. order, which, which feels so alien, even though it's mm. the traditional way. And that opportunity for people to have that, that water cooler kind of conversation of what do you think is going to happen next? And what were you taking on this? And how did you react to that? And my God, when this happened, blah, blah, blah. Um, compared to, you know, there are, there are certain things that I feel that I have tried to rush through because I need to ha- know how it ends before I listen to my favorite podcast that I know mm-hmm. is going to tell me all about it. And, and the backlog that it would cause me but not then, to listen to that podcast in that time kind of thing. So would that take away, because obviously you've seen the entire series, me and T haven't. So how would that formulate our discussion? Um, well, basically what will happen is we'll talk about the first episode and then I'm just going to spoil <laughs> the shit out of it for the rest of you. Um, <laughs> because that will bring me joy. No. Um, <laughs> so for me, one of the things I've always loved about us as a gang in our conversations is the theories. Um, and I, I think that you two come up with really good ideas and really good theories about things and sometimes better stories than the stories that are being told. So I'm really interested to listen to you kind of work it through and talk about stuff. Um, even though I, I know what the answer is and I know the bits that I'm looking forward to hearing your reaction about. And I know the bits that I'm looking forward to hearing your reaction about because you're going to slate it um, and all of that. And, and kind of the, 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 the parallels of, of that and some of the other films that uh, some of the classic films and things like that. So uh, for me, it'll be interesting to just listen, knowing, you know, it is like a rewatch. Basically I know where it's going to go. I still want to rewatch it because you know, I, I, I want to watch it and uh, I want to see it again. But I get to hit, see it through your eyes as well for the first time and listen to you kind of think about what's going to happen and how it works through. Well, it must be an amazing show because mm. you're willing to watch something twice on TV. Or it's just so <laughs> horrendous. I like it. Just as an aside, that thing you said about you know theories sometimes better than than what's going what actually is shown. Do you ever get that point where you come up with a theory and it is just so good, and no matter what's shown, you cannot engage with it because you think, but what? Why didn't do this through in my head? That's so much better. Why not? Yeah, and it's interesting because I think that's one of my problems with us as a fandom now, in the sense of we all have a habit of directing our own films and writing our own films and then getting disappointed when that's not Mm. the answer that they came up with. Um, And it's really hard to disconnect that part of your brain and enjoy it for what it is rather than critique it against what your version was, which would be perfect because it's your version. You're emotionally connected to it, even if it's 
not critically going to be anywhere near as good. There is something around how how they did it. Um, I mean, I can't remember our last discussion on um, the Last Jedi, but you know, I I I loved the way it ripped apart every theory that was out there, including all of mine, and I loved yeah. the way it just subverted it all and uh, and just you know threw it in a new direction, and that was done well. And it wasn't, you know, a yes. version of what we were talking about, but something tweaked. It was just something completely out there and something just that flew in the face of it. And that... Which is funny because one of the things I hated about Solo was yeah. it did none of that. And it felt like exactly the story that I was expecting. In fact, it felt more over-egged than the story I was expecting. Um you know, the fact, and I know I've said this to you before, but I know that the fact that it feels like all of Han Solo's legendary status and all of his exploits and all of his adventures and everything that made this character fascinating to me 40 years ago basically happened in a long weekend. And, and yeah, it's just, ridiculous. Just, and, and also the fact that they happened. I always thought most of it was bullshit. I just love the idea that he made up stuff as he went along. And then you saw him do it, and you thought, well, then why are you just kind of this low-end smuggler? <laughs> but, and then it's the bits that, that didn't need an answer. Like, you know, have you ever wondered <laughs> how he got his name? No. You know that, that famous blaster of his? Let's show you how he got it. Or nostalgia mining no. the very wrong things, like the dice. That just was never a thing. No one cared about that. That didn't excite people when they saw the dice again. But it's interesting because that felt like a note from mm. The Last Jedi. We're going to have Luke take these dice mm. off of the Millennium Falcon and he's going to give them to Leia. Therefore, these dice hold a certain mm. amount of sentimentality and we'd like you to go back and tell us why they hold a certain amount of sentimentality because they need to mean something to Han, to mean something to Luke, to mean something to Leia, to be the thing that comes through. Because bearing in mind she's up against everything and it's the war, and now we know everything else, if you're going to take anything out of Act 2 and give it to her to help and pass it through time and space, yeah. why not her lightsaber? Exactly. Or could it have been the other way around? You know, Solo is centred around this, can you please set this up in your film? Uh, as the Marvel films work. No, because you know? there, was, there was so much of Solo that felt like a complete reaction mm. reshoot because of the, the, the backlash yeah. that Last yeah. Jedi got. A lot of which has been, you know, kind of uh, brought back and, and, and kind of um, atoned yeah. for uh, after um, Last Skywalker. B, where, where are you with the, <laughs> with, with the, uh, the sequel trilogy? Uh, <laughs> well, I think it should have ended at The Last Jedi, to be honest. Uh, I still have only watched uh, Rise of Skywalker once. Uh, well, twice. I saw it twice at the cinema. Um, <laughs> just to make sure that I was as disappointed. See, now, wouldn't you have preferred it to be able to do that streaming from your couch rather than to pay all of that money to go back to the cinema, walking in there with your popcorn? Well, we are not sponsored by popcorn. Years. We're looking for a popcorn sponsor. Walking in with your popcorn, 
knowing that you're going to sit down, you've travelled all that way, you've spent all that money for a film you know is going to be disappointing a second time around. It was a slushy. It wasn't popcorn. But, um, yeah, I I just don't want to talk about it, to be honest. Um, you know, all those years mm. and it ended like that. I was just so disappointed. So, so disappointed. It could have gone so many different ways. And I know we had several discussions as to how it could develop, how it could end. It's the anti-end game, isn't it? It was that. Whilst Endgame gave you everything you wanted. Yeah. Mm. It was so shunted. I think it was, it could have been so much longer. They could have spent so much time developing. Where was the Emperor all this time? And, you know, they just announced him in a line. And Fortnite. And Fortnite. I mean, Jesus. No. Yeah. I mean, you're right. If Jesus came back, he probably would also come back in Fortnite. Because um, yeah. you've got to go where the people are. Um, let's 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 bring the conversation to a close. Let's let's move on, and we're going to end this episode as we're planning to end all our episodes with a recommendation. You are you are listening to this in a world where you're not allowed to go outside, and you may never see the sun again, and blah 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 blah. Um, so here's something from the that we can recommend that might lighten your days and give you some some interest and some fun. Um, B, what you got for us? Well, you're talking about light. Um, I'm recommending Sin City uh, in in a place of darkness. Um, Sin City and Sin City Two, which is a dame to kill for, uh, amazing. Again, watching the cinema back to back, fantastic. Give it a go. And is this your push for release the Snyder Cup? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that what you're going for? No, I'll tell you what you got for us. Episode, I was thinking back on um, the old TNG novels. And it's, it's a bit of an obscure one, but Q Squared, written by Peter David. You know, it's not in continuity. It's, it's, it's just a story set back in the TNG days. But I loved it. It's an amazing Picard story. It's an amazing Q story. You know, Q is, is the character of that bookended TNG, bookended really Picard's character. Someone I'm really definitely hoping to see in the in the show later on. Um, yeah. So Q Q squared is one of the most fun TNG novels there are. Um, and for my recommendation, I thought I'd go for TV. Um, I I loved this show. I thought it was a real hidden gem. Um, it was kind of Battlestar Galactica before Battlestar Galactica for me, the, the reboot. Um, and that's a, a TV show called Space Above and Beyond. One series ran in 95, 96 about a group of Marines who, um, as, as humans take their first step into the stars and start trying to colonize planets, run into a very, very aggressive alien race. Um, and they are suddenly forced to fight this unknown animal, uh, enemy. Um, really, really good series, really good storytelling throughout, really dark and gritty, kind of the first time you see space in that real kind of um, more gritty nature that you see in, in um, Battlestar Galactica than you would have seen in Star Trek and things like that. And my favourite episode of all um, is um, uh, The Angriest Angel. You've got to watch the one beforehand, but The Angriest Angel was my, my favourite of all of the episodes. So... Uh, Find Google and find space above and beyond. Good stuff. Both new things for me. And I think that 
brings us to a close of our first episode. Um, thank you very much for staying with us and listening all the way to the end. Uh, we will uh, be back next week unless these two have something better to do and, and get lost in Disney+. Plus. Um, our thanks to at Tanzimus on um, Instagram for providing us with the excellent figure photography for our uh, thumbnail. Um, if you've liked this, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, tell us, tell anyone you wish to, uh, and we will be back next week to talk about more random stuff. So until then, look after each other. And we shall see you next week. Say goodbye, folks. Live long and prosper.